anyone who is pursuing a spiritual or self-growth path, what they're aiming towards is wholeness, right? Wholeness cannot happen if we're operating from a place of this or that. If it's this or that, there can't be integration, there can't be unity, there can't be wholeness. It has to be this and that, right? Spirituality is not spirituality or the world. It has to be and the world. They are one. And that if you actually see yourself as, as someone that has the potential to create the reality he or she wants in their life, won't you want to create the most beautiful masterpiece while still keeping your inner joy and inner peace and excitement alive? Welcome to your awakening journey. Today's destinations include higher consciousness and actualized potential. If all ascenders could now please be seated in a comfortable meditative posture, we're about to ascend. You are now arriving at your host, Brian Henry. What is up, Ascenders? You're now listening to The Awaken Podcast, a show in which we dive into some insightful, expansive conversations to assist you and the planetary collective consciousness in ascending to higher expressions of awareness, divine purpose, and infinite potential. I want to welcome you to the ascending journey. There is nothing spiritual about abandoning the world. This time that we are in is calling for individuals who have cultivated a sense of growth and wholeness within themselves, but in coming from this place is living deeply involved with and positively impacting the world. Don't be the monk who couldn't pay his bills. If you could choose if there was a choice, which would you prefer? Being the one that has cultivated a sense of fulfillment and wholeness, aside from material things, but is living broke and struggling in the worldly game? Or the individual who has also been able to find that sense of fulfillment within themselves that isn't coming from a place of scarcity, but is powerfully creating in their life the circumstances that they desire, that they have connected with. And from this place of abundance, their cup is overflowing to the point where it begins to fill the cup of others. My boy Nico Cannon is here to speak to this powerful, powerful message and how we can come into this place of being deeply involved with, but without an attachment. Ascenders, before we jump into this episode, if you've been following along with the show and you've been enjoying it and been assisted by the content, I ask that you share this episode with three people that you care about to support them in their own ascension journeys. 
as we know, as each and every individual becomes a fuller expression of themselves in their journey of their personal ascension, this supports the all. And so, so what do you say you support those that you care about and our collective by again, just sharing this episode or this podcast with three people that you care about? I think uh, it's fitting to, to start things off with how we, we first met. I kind of want to tell that story. On the other side of the world, we're at a ecstatic dance event in a festival in Bali, a yoga festival in Bali. And we're sitting next to one another. I don't even remember how the conversation began. Um, but here we are, we're sitting next to one another where something involved conversation and we're chatting and somewhere along the line, one of us must have asked, oh, so where are you from? And the response was Toronto. <laughs> and I'm also from Toronto. So here we are across the world meeting um, both being home-based in, in Toronto, but spending some time in the beautiful, beautiful Bali. Um, I think both that and the one of the following occurrences and interactions that we had, which took place about a month ago, which was invoked by me simply feeling called to connect with you without real any real intention. I just kind of hit you up and said, you know, I want to, uh, I'd love to connect. That led into a phone call. That night I was spending time with you in a new moon gathering um, that you were facilitating. That was an absolutely beautiful night, by the way. Thank you for that. So I guess kind of what I want to say is the, um, the way that our relationship and the experiences that I've had um, with you have been panning out points to, points to us being here for a reason and this being just about the perfect thing that's about to happen. So thank you for being here, brother. Thank you for inviting me and yes, I agree. There are no coincidences. So whether we know why they happen or not, that's another thing. But I guess we're partially here to find out. That's exactly what came to mind when you said those words. Why don't we find out? And we go into that with a, a openness. And I believe that will serve us in allowing for the magic to happen. So we were talking about vision quest, um, whether or not the, the portion of this conversation that, that happened just before the introduction um, makes it or not, I'll give a, just a little bit of a brief backstory on that too. You were responsible uh, or you played a part in me going on my very first vision quest, but rather than me tell that story, um, why don't you first tell me about what going on a vision quest means to you. And then I'd love to hear the story about you going on your very first one. Okay, so for me going on a vision quest means 
having made a, a decision to understand what is at the, the heart and at the essence of who I am as a life. It's a decision because usually you come into a vision quest when, you know, there's some growing up to, you know, there's confusion and lack of clarity. Because we're, when we grow up, especially as men, we grow up with a lot of different stimuli. With a lot of different ideas and assumptions on what it means to be a man, what it means to from a place of purpose, right? We're inundated with ideas of what success looks like in finances, in love, in personal life. And very often we get to a point where we, don't, we no longer know what is a genuine desire and what was spoon-fed to us from a young age. And this causes a lot of chaos. Uh, in, in my personal experience, I was, I was at a point where I was very confused about my life. Um, about the choices of relationships that I had made, about the path that I was going into. And one thing was certain, and it was that I thought, you can't, it's very difficult to trust someone that you don't spend any time with. Very difficult to fall in love with them because you don't, you don't see them too often, right? You may have, there may be love there, just as a general quality, but the depth of that love cannot be nurtured if you don't spend time with that person. And one day I was sitting with that and I just realized, or I asked myself the question, how much time have I spent with myself? Like actually with myself, not watching a movie, not going for a walk necessarily, not playing an instrument, not journaling, because these were activities that took away a little bit of the attention from myself. Ask myself, how much time have I spent just being without having to fill in the space with anything? And I realized that it was close to zero. But I, I did not have a meditation practice. I did not have anything that any, any tool that I constantly use to, to nurture that relationship. And then to me, it seemed really obvious that, wow, okay, no, no wonder I feel so disconnected. No wonder I feel confused. No wonder I feel distant and unclear about what is good for me because I don't know myself. How can I, how can I know myself if I have, I've spent most of my time in connection with other people? in relationship to an activity and not, not so much just with who I am as a life. Um, so that, that's what it means for me to go on a vision quest is to make the decision to, to connect with this in a deeper way, right? Free of distractions, free from having anything to do, whether that is being with people, eating, even journaling is not, it's not advised most of the time. So um, the meaning is that is is understanding. Wow, well, I'm I've lost connection with myself at some point, 
So I'm going to go and, and rekindle that and get in touch with, with what is essential. What is left of me when I'm in a place where there are no masks to carry and when there is nothing to do, right? When the hamster wheel stops, what is left? Mm. Um, yeah, so that was that was the, the meaning that it had for me and the intention because Vision um, Quest, the Rise of Passage, that was used for a lot of um, cultures to bring boys into manhood. And I think it's super necessary and, and it's quite a shame that we have abandoned that because Vision Quest, in essence, forces you to make peace with, with the silence, with the moment in between achievements, in between action, um, which is the only real place where we can try to fulfill it. And if we don't make peace with this empty space, we will be chasing fulfillment, validation, success, pleasure, in a lot of other ways and feel very frustrated about it. Right, so I feel that um, a man that can connect to this space and find himself and find beauty in it and find peace and love within it is no longer driven by by lack or by discomfort, you know, because now he doesn't have to fill in this empty space with something because it's too painful to just sit. Now he can sit and be very joyful, and then from that he can choose to go into action. Um, and I think the guy who connects to that place becomes a man of impact, of positive um, service-oriented impact. Mm. So uh, ultimately that's maybe more of the, of the broad intention that cultures have for this process, right? Like it's, it's, let's have these, these young boys connected to what is essential so that what they do as men comes from the right place. Mm. So there's two different things that you pointed to there that um, can in some ways sound like they're at odds with one another, but I personally don't think they are at all. And I also certainly agree that they're both things that can, can come from taking this moment to, to reconnect with oneself. The two different things that, that came up that stood out to me is one, it's a process that can help someone connect to their truest desires, what it is that they, they truly want for themselves in their experience um, beyond the, the distortions of, you know, ideas that they, they may have adopted from, from others, right? The difference, tuning into the difference between what I want for me and what I think I want for me based on the experiences that I've had with, with other people or what I've been told. There's that, but then there's also what you spoke to at the end of, towards the end there, which is finding within your sense a, a sense of fulfillment separate from or without the need of a tangible physical experience in order to, to provide you with that sense of fulfillment. You're, you're finding that with, within yourself. And so again, I do definitely believe that this is something that we can, both of these things are things that we can, we can find when we, when we come into spending time with ourselves, free of distractions. But how do those two things come together? 
connecting to true desire, finding clarity around that, but then also at the same time, finding within your sense of self a sense of wholeness and fulfillment. Mm -hmm. So I, I think you, you cannot separate them um, because you can't separate our connection with what is truly meaningful and useful for us. From, let's call it our, our path and from a place of fulfillment. And I think you cannot separate these two things because it's only when we are in a deep place of, of fulfillment that we actually know what we genuinely want. Because if, if we're not operating from a place of fulfillment, we're operating from a place of lack, of anxiety, of scarcity, mental, emotional, physical, spiritual. There is something that we're chasing to hopefully feel fulfilled. So therefore, the path that we choose is not determined by our truth, but it's determined by our needs of the moment, right? So, for example, if, if I'm still a slave to my sexual compulsions, the kind of women and experiences that I'm going to find myself in, that I'm going to choose, are not much of a choice. You know, it's just me uh, giving into these compulsions, into this pattern, which people call karma, right? Um, but when I get to a place of, of consciousness, of peace within who I am, free of these compulsions, then in that moment, the choice of where I go, where I take my life, is something that I can trust, right? In that moment, I can feel the clarity of, um, wow, I want to create a family, right? And it's coming from a very different place where I can feel, wow, actually, I don't really need women. Like, I can enjoy their company, but there's no need in me. And actually, there's no strong desire. I'm more, I gravitate more towards maybe my own personal journey or trying to serve the world. So, getting to that place where we feel at home within ourselves, we'll have, drop, we'll have us drop most of our desires upon recognizing that there, there were compulsions, that they were not something that was coming from a place of wholeness, but from a place of something absent. And new desires are born that are more inclusive and more meaningful. Does that make sense? It certainly does. What I'm, I'm taking from this is that starting with that sense of fulfillment, residing in that sense of fulfillment and wholeness forms the, the foundation from which really tuning into your true desires can, can begin to arise because otherwise you may be deceived in thinking there's something that is wanted, but essentially that wanting is coming from a place of filling, filling a, a gap, a need, the sense of need, the sense of scarcity. And ultimately that thing that you think you, you want or that thing that you may be chasing after isn't going to be able to provide 
lasting fulfillment or really provide for you that that fill of what you feel like it can it can do for you and some people are still probably operating in a place where they don't yet realize that what they're chasing after is something that they're trying to use to to address this 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 gap within themselves this lack of fulfillment so it's interesting because you know so many are chasing after what they want because they think it's going to help them feel a particular way. But I think the important message that you're pointing to here is start with feeling a particular way and you'll better connect to the things that you truly want for yourself from that place of, again, um, I already feel whole. Now, what role do you, pl- do you believe that a sense of desire plays from in, in that part at that point? Once someone's coming from that, I think we're going to turn this back around and definitely explore how we are able to to create for that foundation first. But I want to ask, what part do you believe desire plays in our experience? Because we already can understand that intrinsically feeling full within oneself, that's, that's a goal in itself. But now, how do you approach and think about desire once you're already residing in that? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so to operate from a place of, of never ending constant fulfillment and bliss, I think that's a, a lifelong journey for most of us because we're very conditioned in many ways. However, my experience is that the more that I am full within myself, what once used to be a desire becomes a preference. And this is a very subtle shift, but that has very big consequences. Because desire has this, I need to have like this attachment to it. But I really want this. Um, and I think that that can be fine if it if it if it fuels you. But for most people, desire cannot go without suffering. For most of us, we we enjoy something and we really want it, and if we don't have it, then it's painful. Because we really desire this person, this experience, this accomplishment. Um I found that when, when, when I'm happy inside myself, I know that no matter what I do externally, it's not going to take away from that. But it might, it might amplify it or it might help me share that which is already inside. So therefore, desiring becomes more of a preference, right? Like I would prefer if I could work with more people and serve the world at a larger scale. That would be great. And I'll do everything I can to make that happen. And I'm 100% okay if it doesn't happen while I'm alive. Mm-hmm. Right? Which is, I would say this is the difference of, imagine you're playing soccer. And um, I think when we were kids, we play with full involvement. Like we're playing to win. We're going to do everything we can to score against the other team and to win the game. But whether we, we win or we lose, we're okay. We won, okay, yeah, we celebrate, we lost, all right. And then we're still friends with everybody involved. And then 
we just had a great time. So I, I think that's I think that is the quality that personally I'm, I'm, I'm reaching for, and is that can I play with full involvement and aiming to win? It's not it's not okay. I don't have desire, so I have no interest. Because a lot of a lot of people in the spiritual communities, they they bypass life. So mm. in the name of oh I'm, I'm, I'm beyond that I I lost all I dropped all my desire. So I'm just gonna sit here, meditate, and sing songs, and, and that's my life. And very often that comes more from people that are incapable of doing anything with their life. So if you're incapable of actually doing something because you like the skill, the drive, the passion, it's not that you're more evolved than that. It's just that you're, you have deluded yourself, right? If, if I'm terrible with women, it's easier for me to tell myself, oh, you know what? Actually, I don't want women. Than to face the truth that, hey, actually, I am very shy. I'm very self-conscious. I don't know what to say. I feel very vulnerable. It makes me uncomfortable. So in the spiritual communities, there's a lot of bypassing. Um, and I think the people, boy, if we look at the people that have been the biggest spiritual teachers, um, they've all had great impact. They've created massive movements. They've left a legacy that outlives them. And, and from the way they live their life, we also realize that they could, they would have been okay if none of that happened. If they were just a guru in the mountains, they would have been just as happy, just as fine as whether they were internationally recognized and famous. So that's, I think that's, that's the name of the game, deep involvement without attachment. Mm. And that is something that, that breeds a lot of beauty because if I can live my, if I can work on my career, my business, with deep involvement, like I'm going to do everything I can to do things the best way. I'm going to give all of myself in this experience, in this process. And whether I get clients or not, I'm, you know, I'm not going to derive my direction. I'm okay. I have a preference. Okay, I want to get clients. I want to serve. But not an attachment. All right, doesn't happen. That's, that's fine. Okay, I expected 50 people to come to my event and five showed up. All right. You know, no big deal. Um, if I can play like that, it's going to be a play a game that's going to be very enjoyable. Same in relationships. If relationships, we suffer because we, we're afraid of losing, losing ourselves, losing the other person. So we don't give all of us in the moment. We're not involved. We hold back a little bit because what if I lose? What if I put in too much, right? Like a gamble. What if I put all my chips on this relationship and it doesn't work out? And, and that's living life with a level of involvement that is less than 100%. Mm-hmm. Our experience of it is also going to be less than 100% because we're not fully online. However, when I when I take the risk, um, life gets more exciting. Like when we're playing poker with friends and you know, we're not betting money or maybe we're betting an amount that is just very small just for fun. And then suddenly that's when people take risks. Okay, I'm gonna put all in and I'm gonna bet on this really bad um, set of cards that I got on my hand. And and there's laughter and there's you know, people scream and grab their head. Oh, I just lost. And 
it gets makes the game more exciting and whether you win or lose is not doesn't matter um you know because we're all the game's gonna be picked up and then you're gonna go home at the end of the night that's gonna happen to all of us we're gonna die so how we play the game is way more important than the outcome of it mm, beautiful i uh, i'm gonna pull out two two um statements there that deserve to be posted up on uh, on a wall somewhere um you said the words deep involvement without attachment that one i felt right there and then what you just finished up with how we play the game is more important than than what comes from it um both of those statements of course um paralleling one another it's absolutely incredible when we we get that sense of allowing desire to to move us along the journey and we still reside in the knowing that it's the movement it's the journey that truly matters it's the enjoyment of this this moment of allowing that that desire to move us rather than it being this fixation on trying to make something happen and whether that happens or not there's that that emotional attachment to um there's also another area that i think you're just about one of the perfect people to address because i've heard you speak to this before and synchronistically um i saw a post of yours yesterday on instagram and let me just say that's super like you would not hear me saying that because i never am on instagram uh, i think i was posting a story maybe um and you were right there at, at the top which is also interesting because <laughs> you know what I'm, I'm not even going to to try to explain it like you said there are no coincidences um but here I was reading your post and you you made this point that you you made here today again. And I, I think it's something that we're being called to explore. It's that there's nothing spiritual about abandoning the world, I think is actually the way that you you described it. Um, you know, there's those two two extremes where people are so very caught up, fixated and attached to to their physical circumstances and what's playing on their physical life has them in chains and how they feel in chains um, is, is so heavily attached to what's playing on their physical life. But then something I know that you've seen in some of the people that you've worked with um, and in the spiritual community and admittedly um, something that I've definitely been too far off in the direction of is this, I'm going to find peace here. I'm going to find peace here. I'm going to find peace here. I'm going to be in stillness. I'm going to clear my mind. I'm going to be whole and complete in my room. And I need nothing outside of me. And yes, still, I, I think, again, finding that sense of fulfillment and wholeness uh, within oneself is, is certainly important. And But no part of this means that we... We, again, we abandon the world and our and our purpose for being here, or a purpose that we feel called to serve. So I guess what I'm I'm really trying to get at is how do you how do you bring these two together, and 
what do you find kind of tends to be some of the um the the big factors or programs ideas that gets in the way of being able to live with deep involvement and without attachment so let's start with the second question what gets in the way what gets in the way is the idea of heaven or the idea that there's a better place to be in than in this moment in our bodies in our experience right people who want to retreat into i'm just going to meditate i'm going to find peace i'm going to force myself to be okay with the moment when their life is in chaos um are no different than the the both christian who keeps praying to the lord and thinking okay i'm gonna i'm gonna be in heaven um similar is it's in a way thinking there's something inherently wrong with the physical experience and therefore something to be dismissed or bypassed or transcended if you know how it's phrased um you know your 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 movement i believe is called ascension academy and something that i've that i've read on facebook especially that i've seen a lot of people speak about we're we're sending to 5d Right, 5D essential, whatever that means. And, and I'm thinking a good 95% of the people that I've seen share about ascension and 5D ascension is like, oh, how, how are you going to get to 5D if you haven't mastered 3D, right? If you can't pay your bills consistently, what makes you think that access to more subtle amounts of energy is going to do you any good? Right, like if this that is dense, that is energy that moves very slowly, if this you have trouble working with, having access to energy that moves a lot faster, is gonna destroy you, it's gonna harm you. And made to circle back in a very in a very brief way. That was one of the reasons that, that I went on the my first vision quest, besides wanting to know myself. I broke a part of my mind during a very like five, six, six grams mushroom, dry mushroom experience. Um, it was probably the third or fourth time that I tried mushrooms. And I thought it was a great idea to take six grams because somebody said that this is a hero's dose and that your life changes. And I thought, sure, I'm ready for that. And I took them here in my condo on the 17th floor, downtown Toronto. Um, no respect, no solid set and setting. And I was this close to jumping out the, the window. Like to me, it just felt like the best idea. I just felt like it was this vacuum. And I was pure energy and then this body felt very limited. Fortunately, I was with a couple of friends and and they helped me stay grounded. And many things happened that day, but to sum it up, it was like running thousands of volts into an appliance that can only handle 60 mm. volts. I was, I was, my brain was flying. I, I was convinced that they, well, I'm, I am gonna be one of those men who are yelling at street lights and just you know, one of those crazy guys on the street. And after that experience, 
I just real I realized that like in that moment every thought that I was having was coming into reality. You know, I would think of my friend laughing and she would start just laughing hysterically. At one point I thought of her having an orgasm and she starts arching her back and moaning. Right? Like I, I felt I felt in that moment that my every thought had an actual physical repercussion. And I, I knew about this conceptually, but it's, it's another thing when everything you're, you're thinking is happening instantly. And it's not only in your head. Afterwards, I checked in with them like, hey, were you laughing? Were you right? And then I checked in with my friend. Hey, like, I didn't say, hey, you were mourning. You were having an orgasm because I didn't want to put that on her. I thought maybe I was just too high and I, and I projected. So I said, hey, what was your experience? Like, I heard you were making some sounds. She got very shy and then she would just say, well, if I'm fully honest, I just felt like you were inside of me. It felt very pleasurable. I felt like I was having this blissful orgasm, right? And, and the problem with, with that is that when that experience happened, this reality just felt like energy, you know? Mm-hmm. Literally, there was no 3D anymore. Everywhere I looked, it was just energy vibrating. And then every thought was moving that energy. But because my mind was not in a place where it, had, it was grounded or disciplined, but, but because I had not trained myself to be focused on something, right? Which life, even just starting a business or having a job will force you, okay, even if it's a nine to five, you're training, you're focused on something. Um, but because I, there was none of that within myself, there was no grounding for the amount of energy. So it went very dark very quickly because my mind couldn't be trusted. So after that, I spent a few months where I'll have these waves of anxiety and panic attacks, which I had never, I didn't know what anxiety was until that day. I literally, I had a hard time relating with people with anxiety because for my whole life, I thought, okay, are, you mean you're worried or you're stressed? I don't get that anxious. But that day, it was like a full-blown panic attack, anxiety, paranoia, schizophrenia. It was really bad. So after that, I had waves of that coming to my day and I realized that something got out of place in my mind during that experience with psychedelics. So my vision quest journey was going to heal that, to release that, to ask for forgiveness for the earth, because I realized that this is something you don't play with, not so casually. Now back to your question. Um, we want to we want to learn to, to fly without knowing how to walk. Right, without shaking our wings first. And like if if we generally so I've had friends that have gone down that path, right? Like, oh I'm too enlightened now to even care about the physical world. Oh, I just don't care about the money anymore. This is not for me. I'm just gonna meditate and um and every one of them. If I, if I sat in front of them and I asked them, okay, so you can create your own reality, yeah. So if you could, you know, wound you want to have it a little bit different, a little bit more comfortable, perhaps, a little bit more aligned, right? Because, you know, you think you're this eternal abundant being, but you're struggling to pay your rent. There's something is either you're not an eternal powerful being or there's something in the way you're living that is not reflecting that, right? Um, there's a dissonance there. My lived experience doesn't reflect what I, what I think I know about 
who I am. Either I'm not doing work that needs to reflect this, or my idea of who I think I am is distorted. Does it make sense? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and and essentially, it's if yeah, this is my personal experience. The deeper my own process goes, the more I understand myself, and the more I understand life. Which means that I become more effective at connecting with people, having relationships that are beautiful and healthy, and knowing when, where, and how I can serve other people. Right? So if I see life in a way that is more clear, it's inevitable for me to make more money, to have more impact can't avoid it because suddenly I'm going to take the right actions. For sure, maybe I don't need to stress as much as the guy who is grinding and hustling. But inevitably, just, just the fact that I am more connected to myself is going to mean that I'm more connected to other people, which most of the time means that I'm going to feel their pain, right? So I have more compassion. And if I have more compassion for this person in front of me, and I, and I have found a way to heal that within myself, the natural tendency of a human being is to care and to one extent the opportunity for a solution, right? And, and sometimes this opportunity for a solution can become something that benefits everyone involved. Mm-hmm. I think your point is something that well, is on the the core of my being and it's one of my main messages and it's from that from that state of communion with our truest self what naturally is birthed from that is this desire to to serve to give to support others because i i certainly see that playing out of myself where again the more whole and connected we are feeling within ourselves um, that translates into this feeling of connection with with other people, um, and then from there, there becomes this 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 natural desire to to want to support others into the the same sense of joy and fulfillment that you've found. Right? It's it's like um, again, it comes naturally. Um, it's this. I feel good and I feel good in wanting to support others and, and feeling good as well, rather than it being this, this pushing, this is something I need to do because even that can become a game that we end up playing, um, wanting to impact, wanting to serve, but that stemming from some sort of sense of scarcity within oneself. I think that's also something that you might see in the, the spiritual community where it's wanting to, to serve as a means to, feeling a sense of self-worth from that have you seen Uh, that play out for sure you know the the light workers and healers and so many uh, especially women in, in in this industry caught up in the most toxic and abusive relationships because they um oh i'm 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 there for him i can see the light in him Right, they feel they're they're out there to save the world, and yeah, there's people that get get deluded and distracted, 
and they go at saving the world from the wrong place, which is uh, they think they sacrifice themselves and call it love. Well, in reality, there's just you know maybe they're just an abandoning abandonment issue that they're not dealing with, a lack of self-validation. So, of course, if I date someone who is way worse than me, by contrast, I feel like a good person because I can't feel like a good person by myself. This happens a lot. If if I if I think the world is inherently broken and I'm others to fix it. That makes me the savior, right? Just like a subtle ego play that can happen on a powerful, embodied, mystical, light worker, leader. I don't know. There's all these titles that people give to themselves um, that sometimes have more to do with how they want to be perceived than with the real depth of impact that they actually have. A lot of times pretty meaningless. I mean, it's just someone traded the CEO or entrepreneur label by light worker and healer. And it's just one more label that makes them feel good about themselves. Um, by contrast, I think when people are serving from the right places, it's what you share. It's like imagine suddenly you have you have your own cup, right? And for whatever reason, it is overflowing. Like it's overflowing to the point that it's spilling all over you. And you look around and people's cups are empty, you know? People are trying to, to drag whatever they can from, from their empty cup. But yours is overflowing so much and you see people dying of thirst. The natural, like, you don't even have to think about it. This is like, this is spilling all over. So just let me, <laughs> let me pour it. Mm -hmm. um, which is what happens when, when someone has actually done the work. He said, hey, I feel so good. And I see that the world is in so much pain that I can't help myself but trying to, to support some of that. Not because it's wrong, not because I'm attached to it, not because it hurts me, but because if it's possible, why not contribute to that, right? It just seems like the most natural thing to do from there. Yeah. Yeah. And it has nothing to do with, you know, your cup is overflowing. So you're just looking for someone to take that instead of that just spilling on the floor. Not, you know, you don't want for people to say, wow, you have a beautiful cup. Wow, you have so much water in your cup. Wow. Like, you don't care about that. It's meaningless. It's right. Um, yeah, I found the more the more that we care about praise from others, also the, the heavier that judgment hits us because mm -hmm. then our identity tied into that. Uh, and that's usually how you recognize someone who's operating from the wrong kind of place. The moment they are criticized, judged, or challenged on something, they get really, really defensive or unstable and that is because a big part of who they are still depends on being seen as good people still looking for that external validation yeah hmm. okay i see two directions we can take this 
through with me for a moment as I decide which one is the direction we're going to first go. Okay. You, my friend, I um, I absolutely love how I've heard you speak to, to relationships in the past. Um, I know supporting people in building healthy relationships is, is something that you feel called to do and you have a, a great ability for doing from what I've heard you share. Um, I think this is a good segue into that. Take it from, in the essence of us, again, we, we've talked quite a bit about how we feel about ourselves, with ourselves, in isolation from relationship, right? Not needing that, that, that praise, not needing something from the other to, to support us in feeling a particular way. So with that now, what role do you believe relationship plays in our lives? Why is relationship important? I think essentially it is something that is very practical and is that we have needs that can only be met through relationship. Social needs, mental needs, emotional needs, sexual needs. Um, so I feel we enter into a relationship to there's always something we're giving and there's always something we're taking. That's the nature of a human relationship. Um, it's not it's not absolute, you know, with God, there's no expectation. There's no there's no taking or giving. It's just there all the time. But with another person, there is there is something that's that's always being exchanged. Even with nature, you know, our relationship with nature, we take from it, but we also have to give back. Right? We can, we take air, we take food, um, but we also have to, you know, the food comes out and then we have to, you know, it ends up either as fertilizer or as garbage in the ocean, right? I think we're, we're actually in a very unhealthy relation with nature as, you know, as in a global scale. Um, yeah, but I think essentially our relationships are, are just a place where we where we go to to connect with and alleviate each other's needs. As one reason, like I think that's one what role they play. Um, because most of us are not wired to be hundred percent isolated. I think very, very, very few people are are wired for the monk hermit lifestyle. But right? there are people that that's for. Yes, I think I think some people. I think it's very rare, but there's some people that literally they, there's no psychological, emotional, sexual need or anything that they need support with by another human being. So they, for them, they shouldn't live ascetic lifestyles or they'll retreat into the mountains by themselves and they're 100% fine like that. But that is very rare. Most of us have maybe have strong spiritual tendencies and still would love 
you know, to wake up next to someone and to share our stories with a loved one, to get a hug here and there. So there's nothing wrong with that. I think there's, there's a lot of beautiful things to be experienced through relationship. Um, and the second role they play is the role of providing us with experiences and opportunities to know ourselves a little bit better. The closer the relationship, the more opportunities it will provide for us to look at ourselves. Because in a relationship, I'm never gonna agree 100% with another person. Yet, can I stay loving, compassionate, open? It's a challenge. So I think, I feel that the beauty of relationships and uh, perhaps their most important use or function is in the ugliness they bring within us. See what, sorry? It's in the ugliness they bring within us. The triggers. Because, yeah, because without that, then, you know, it's, it's easy to assume or to think that we're at a place where that we aren't, right? It, it, it's easy. Um, once I went to, to this conference, it was, it was like a two, three-day workshop, and sitting next to me was this Buddhist monk. And he was wearing the whole attire. And I was surprised because I had never met a monk in my life. So I started talking with him. And um, he had spent, I don't know, 35 years in a monastery. And he just came back like four or five years ago. And, um, and I talked with him. And the more I talked with him, the more I realized, wow, like this guy... He's, he's not in his heart. He's really in his head. Like, it's not, he's not what I imagine a monk will feel like, which is, you know, grounded, stable. Um, he was, during the workshop, we had to share some stuff that we were struggling with, and he was sharing how he was having a hard time paying rent, and he was living in some community housing, and I think he had an ex-wife with whom he had some legal issues, and just his life seemed like a lot of chaos mm-hmm. and I was paying a lot of attention to him and I, even I looked at his at his um, outfit his robes and they were quite dirty actually like I remember I remember like his pants they were like this light beige color and and I could see like like subtle pea stains and he smelled kind of weird and, as well um, if, if it was not because he, he was bold and had the whole outfit. Uh, the energy that I felt from him would be closer to just a homeless person going through a lot of difficulties. And in my mind, I thought, wow, like what, what happened all those 35 years? Because whatever they taught you, there is clearly not working or you clearly forgot it, right? Um, my life was, I was partying, drinking, doing a lot of, you know, I was living a very disorganized life. But I felt I was in a better place emotionally, mentally, perhaps spiritually than, than, than that man across from me. Um, so sometimes, you know, he, he avoided the relationship because 
part of his year, of his life. But I think when he came back, he still had to deal with the things that he couldn't do when he went into isolation. And this disconnects to what we talked about before. Like he tried to bypass the whole working with the work kind of thing. Um, he, he went for the higher route, but in reality, when he came back, there was no, there was no actual growth. He, there was stuff he never dealt with. How to make a living, how to serve somebody. Hmm. You know, whether, whether that means in, I'm going to become a mailman and be the happiest, most grounded and peaceful mailman, FedEx mailman of the world, or whether that means you're going to teach other people how to meditate or you're going to um, start your own ashram and you know, whatever. Um, yeah, he was just living a, a life that seemed like a lot of chaos and I could see he was in a lot of pain. So I can also see how living in solitude and just meditating 10 hours every day can tend to be, you know, suddenly there's no triggers and you think you're you're quite high when in reality, no, it's just, there's no, there's not much going on in your life. So there's, so you're not having a lot of chances to take a deep look at yourself. What's coming through for me here is that how we move in the world, what we're expressing in that that aspect of our in our lives, um, is an expression of the growth. You know, maybe it's a growth that is invoked within, but um, it's in it's in playing this game and playing it in the way that you feel called to. But I think a lot of people are are kind trying to convince themselves out of the way that they may be feeling called to play the game as in this kind of suppressing of, of natural desire, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, no, I don't want that. I don't want those things. And they kind of end up lying to themselves about it. But um, again, what I'm really seeing here is this, this way that we, we go about playing this game, um, the worldly game even, is, is an expression of, it becomes a way that we can express who we are and, all the growth that that's taking place within ourselves. And I know we kind of went into the direction of talking about it in the context of relationships, but I think we're tying it all together here that, you know, there's still something very important to be said about learning to play this game and, and, and playing it well. Mm -hmm. What comes up for you with regards to again just playing this this game in a way that oneself is going to feel a sense of alignment and fulfillment maintained within? Mm-hmm. So Let's start from the premise that anyone who is pursuing a spiritual or self-growth path, what they're aiming towards is wholeness, right? Um, depending on what they believe in, what their ultimate mission or goal is, liberation, enlightenment, union with source, with God, right? Deep bliss and surrendering to life itself, whatever you call it, 
it's called the wholeness, right? I just I want to experience my life as, as, as one with all of it. Wholeness cannot happen if we're operating from a place of this or that. The moment that is that is you or me, mm-hmm. there's duality and there's separation. And that's beautiful, right? That allows us to have this conversation for me to learn from you, for you to learn from me. But but if it's this or that, there can't be integration, there can't be unity, there can't be wholeness. It has to be this and that, right? Spirituality is not spirituality or the world. It has to be and the world. It cannot be just my mind or the mind or the body. Like it, they have to go together. So, if I think if, if any if any person that that is curious about how can I bring alignment into my world day to day life and my spiritual life is realizing that they are one and that if you actually see yourself as, as someone that has the potential to create the reality he or she wants in their life, won't you want to create the most beautiful masterpiece while still keeping your inner joy and inner peace and excitement alive, right? Because you have two options at the end of the day. You can be blissful and happy and full of love and struggle to pay rent that's a choice and maybe impact your five or 10 neighbors. You can also be blissful and happy and full of love and live a life that is very abundant choice, you know, in wealth, in relationships. And because of that impact more people, but you can have both. The quality of experience from both is the same, right? If you're actually in a solid place, then, you're not going to care whether you're living on the streets or whether you're a millionaire. Um, but if you could choose, which one would you choose? Because it's not, it's not, you know, it's not spirituality or the world. It's like, and anyways, you're living in it. How do you want to live? Right. And, 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 uh, and I think the deepest thing for people is if, if you actually experience and think that you are an extension of the source of creation, what makes you think you cannot create life on your terms? Or do you think that you can't and you're finding for ways to justify that? Which would you prefer? Yeah. And really being honest with ourselves about that. Yeah. Because... Um, a lot of the clients that I work with are, are men and and they, the thing they need support with the most is relationships with women. And so often men in self-development or spiritual communities, they come and say, hey, so I met this girl and she's great. She we share the same interest. She has a beautiful heart. When, when they're saying all these things, I know there's, there's a but. I'm like, okay, so but. But she's not I don't find her attractive, physically attractive. And it almost seems like in their mind, like they have to make a choice. 
Oh, a, woman, a woman can only be attractive or spiritual. Like she can only be like a sexy, beautiful, uh, seductive woman or like a beautiful goddess, right? There's and, and um, the truth is that it's a preference and it's a choice. There's a lot of women out there who are beautiful in and out. And there are men as well. Right? But sometimes this guy will, will stick around for a little too long with this woman that he knows his body does not respond to. Um, not because she's a better match for him, but because he's actually afraid of going and talking to, to the woman that he finds attractive because that's intimidating. Mm. But that is who he really wants to be in a relationship with. And, and just the fact of going and talking with her is going to shape a lot of things. Like who he needs to be to get into that relationship is very different. He has to have more courage, has to let go of his fear of judgment, of his fear of rejection. He has to face death in the sense that, hey, take that leap of faith when talking with a woman. He has to face his own shortcomings, his own self-judgment. Say, maybe I don't think I'm good-looking enough for him. Now he has to work on that. He doesn't mm-hmm. stop him attractively. Just him going, just him considering that he can have this, have like that he can be in a relationship with the kind of woman that he wants, is already going to change a lot of things for the better. It's going to make him grow, right? Being in a relationship with a woman like that is also going to demand, wow, she gets much attention from all men. So now he has to understand his sense of jealousy, maybe of being controlling. Of There's so many things that, that going down that route will bring up for him that will turn him into a far better man than the one who settles for what is just comfortable and accessible. But it might be uncomfortable to face that. Yeah. And that's why... Sometimes people play it safe or delude themselves in thinking that I don't want that because in some ways, in some ways, it's easier to not be honest with ourselves and say, you know, that's something I want and I'm, I'm going to leap into trying to go for it than it is to just kind of play within the comforts of not having that stuff come up that would if we push ourselves into expansion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, if, if you're going to love your day anyways, and you're going to enjoy the way that you feel, you know, like if you're in that place where meditation happens, even if your eyes are open, you know, you don't have to be sitting with your eyes closed, but you can be washing dishes and doing everything else and be in a meditative state. Um, you're going to be a very effective human being. So, you know, of course, maybe you don't care. Maybe you're in a place of peace and joy and fulfillment. But what we shared, you know, look around the world, there's a lot of things that need to be done. And if you're truly in a place of compassion, you will do what is necessary, what is needed. Not what is comfortable, not what, not only what you like, not only what you want, but you will do what is needed. And at least right now, I think we need more people connected to their heart and you know, putting their boots on and getting their hands dirty and, and supporting a lot of different things in the world. 
then we need people just sitting in a monastery meditating all day long. Um, I think for sure one day the world is going to be in a place where there's peace, joy, wealth, well-being for everyone. And I think that's the day then that it, it won't make a difference. Whether you sit in the mountains by yourself or you live a normal, a normal day-to-day life. Um, but right now, I think if you know if you're already in a place of, of peace and fulfillment within yourself, the world needs more of your aligned action than it need than it needs your withdrawal. Mm. So you only have you know if you if, if you did it right, this is your last your last life. So uh-huh. you know, so. It, 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 for those people or you go are, 5D. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also, yeah, it's yeah, the whole thing is funny. Um, <laughs> conversation for another day, I think. Uh, <laughs> Although I don't know if uh that's the type of conversation I would have <laughs> you on to have because my man, I uh I absolutely like greatly respect the way that you speak to bringing um starting with a, a sense of wholeness and allowing that to, to be reflected and and felt through the actions that we take in this world and our service to others. So let me um let me just one more time thank you for, for being here, but also thank you for all the great work that you're doing. Um I definitely feel from you someone that has a pure desire to to serve. And that's something I greatly respect in an individual. Thank you, Ryan. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. All right. Before I ask you one last closing question, uh, the most epic question of the show, mm-hmm. um, I want to just give you a chance to to invite anyone that's tuned into this to do some more work with you, to receive your support. Just check out what you got going on. Cool. Yeah, I would say Facebook or Instagram are the places where most of my content is right now. You can find me on Instagram at Nico Cannon and then underline on Facebook at Nicholas Cannon. And yeah, if I focus mostly on relationships, um, men's work, and plant medicine in Colombia. So feel free to, if any of those call you, if you feel curious about working together or just about hearing more of my philosophy and reflections on life, feel free to add me, follow me, and yeah. Mm. Actually, I want to I wanna explore that a little bit more deeply. What do, you, uh, what do you specifically have going on and in what ways do you feel called to, to support an individual? So right now, the, what I'm focusing on is supporting men who have done a fair share of self-growth, um, but are ready for a, I would say, a final transition. Right? I, I work with clients that have spent a few years in the self-development world chasing something that is quite eluding, and I work in getting them to a place of, I would say, liberation, getting off the self-growth hamster wheel and getting to a place of to that place where they they're back into the moment into their body aligned and they're no longer thinking about what is missing within me but 
how can I serve the world? Um, so I'm working with men around this, which is conscious leadership, conscious masculinity, which includes and is linked to ayahuasca retreats in Colombia that are led by native shaman. And we do, a, we do a process that is very different from most medicine houses in which we integrate the ancestral wisdom with modern coaching, right? So I come in and I do a lot of things that, uh, there's a lot of things, a lot of different disciplines that I pull from, uh, from yoga, from tantra, from just therapeutic coaching approaches to prepare a person properly for deep ayahuasca experience. Um, because the, the experience that a person has with plant medicine, for those who are not familiar with it, it can be very, very different. You can drink the same amount, but two people will have day and night different experiences. It will feel like you drank something completely different. Uh, what changes is where you're at. Because if your body, if your mind, if your heart can handle a lot more, the plant will give you a lot more. And that a lot more is what changes someone's life. Like it draws us very clear before and after. So the people that I work with, like I take care of that, really preparing the person, priming them to be, you know, fertilizing the soil so that it blooms mm. during the experience. And then making sure that that you know the freshly bloomed flower is not forgotten so integration post-thermal integration um and now that's that's a big part of my work is supporting people who feel called to sit with the medicine and who want to invite them into doing it the way that i know works has worked best for me and my clients and this is people that have some of them have done ayahuasca more than 60 times more than 100 times in peru in costa rica in Soltara, in Sacred Valley, you know, all the famous places. And then eventually they they realize that there was something missing there. And then they come to work with us. And and then a lot of times their their searching ends there. Um, because if if you have if you have a solid experience, you can be good for many, many, many years without doing it again. Mm. So that, yeah, that's a big part of my work right now, just facilitating that, supporting people in their process, or at the very least, educating them so they make conscious choices because it can also go very, very bad. Hmm. I'm, uh, I'm glad I asked you to, to unpack that further for, for two reasons. One, um, it all sounds a whole lot more intriguing now. Um, <laughs> with, yeah, the detail work on your elevator pitch, brother. Um, <laughs> no, but then also there's, uh, I think there's a lot of important lessons that, that came up from that. So thank you for sharing that. I'm glad we, we kind of threw that in as well. Um, yeah, okay. Let's, uh, let's begin to wrap things up with, with the most epic question of the day. The grand okay. finale. You ready for my man? Take a deep breath. This is coming in hot. Nico, <laughs> you just won 5D. And <laughs> you just actualized the ability to telepathically communicate to all of humanity. What do you have to say? Um.
yeah, this, this, this may sound cliche or simple, but how you say is just breathe. Like for me, that, that, that one word or it's a sentence on its own. Um, breathe is, it involves many things, right? It involves anchoring ourselves in the moment. It involves getting out of our head and into our bodies. It involves paying attention. It involves connecting the energetic with the more dense part. It involves the beginning of um, recalibration of our system or a stabilization of our system, where the person is going through a moment that is very pleasurable and consumed by the lust. To breathe creates a little bit of distance, or whether it's anxiety or something very difficult they're navigating. Um, so for me, to breathe means to be in connection with life, right? If you stop breathing, you're dead. So just, so I would say breathe, but you know, breathe with the, the way I will communicate it telepathically will be charged with all, with the meaning that it, that it has, right? Like, like fully breathing life, like, you know, come, come home to this moment right now. And I feel that, because I feel that ultimately that's, that's all we have and that's all we have to do. Mm. We can, you know, we can do it more often, more and more through the day. Then suddenly we realize that we're operating from a place that is very, 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 the, the term very present is kind of silly because it can be present or not present. It's not, there's not, I don't think there's gray, like different um, extensions of how present we can be. Just if we're fully present or maybe not so much. Um, but yeah, to breathe. Yes, breathe. Mm -hmm. All we have and all we have to do. Brother, thank you again so much for being for being here, for serving, for inspiring all the great work that you do and for your amazing energy. I appreciate you and I appreciated this amazing conversation that we had the chance to have. Thanks, brother. It was my pleasure. Take care, Nico. You too. Senders, that is going to be it for my conversation with my brother Nicholas Cannon. I do hope that this was able to ignite a little bit of a fire in you, a inspiration to both feel whole and fulfilled within yourself and involved and impactful in this world because it can be both and I have a good feeling that you're going to enjoy it being both Ascenders putting out the invitation one last time before we go here the Ascend Academy is uniting and activating light workers those of you that have heard the call to be involved in this world and grow into your highest state well these are a couple of the things 
that we support an individual in, in the academy. We're bringing together the conscious leaders that wish to connect, wish to actualize their highest purpose and potential, and part of the process support each other in doing just that. You can head on over to academy.togetherweascent.com to learn more about all that we got going on and perhaps become our newest member. Ascenders, that is going to be it for this episode of the Awaken Podcast. I want to thank you for tuning in, for being here at this time with us in our moment of ascension. So until next time, keep ascending. <laughs>